Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not of a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's our God. Isn't he awesome? And we can sing about his goodness. We can lift his name up on high, and we can worship together because we have an awesome God. It's so great to see each of you here. Thanks for coming to worship with us. Uh, if you don't know, I'm Pastor Aaron. I have the great privilege of leading here at West Hill, and we're excited that you're here with us today. And I'm excited to introduce um, our, our guests with us today. Uh, dear friends of ours, um, Brent and Tammy. Uh, Brent was my youth pastor um, for a year um, before I graduated, and uh, um, then we got to serve in ministry together. Uh, he was a youth pastor at Norton Baptist, of course, that's where we grew up, Lisa and I, and then uh, I was a youth pastor here, and uh, for those uh, five years, just able to do youth ministry things, we have uh, some great stories. Uh, I remember uh, we did a box maze here, it was a New Year's Eve um, event and we had area churches, youth groups. We all gathered. I think there were four churches that we all did something that New Year's Eve. And uh, I don't know whose idea it was that we were going to make this really cool box maze. And so the end of the wing down the last couple classrooms down at the end of the education wing, uh, we just duct taped all kinds of boxes together and we made this really, really cool maze. It was one of the coolest things I think I've ever done and uh, spent a lot of time on my knees and that's uh, I pay for that now um, but uh, man it's been awesome to be able to do ministry with Brent and Tammy and uh, we were able to um, then as God called them to Portugal the ministry over there um, we were able to bring them on and to support them financially and to be here to support them uh, Lord, uh, as Lord of the earth, to be able to uh, say, hey, we're, we're part of our family. You're part of our family at West Hill. And so um, God did some moving, and God then uh, kind of transferred where he wanted them. Um, instead of being there at Portugal, he brought them back stateside and, uh, and where they now serve uh, with ABWE, uh, Association of Baptists for World uh, Missions. Um, uh, for evangelism, and uh, I forgot the E part. Um, it's funny, when you, sh when you get up in front of people, you can tell who's paying attention, 
And then you can tell when you make a mistake too. Because I'm looking over here right now, but I can see my wife over here. And whenever her head goes like this, I know I messed up something. So then I think in my mind, okay, what did I just say? While I'm still talking to you, I'm thinking about what I messed up. It's really crazy. It's amazing. All that to say, Brent and Tammy have a really important role right now. And as they have uh, this role of missionary care. And so we're excited to have Brent and Tammy and, and uh, two of their kiddos with us, uh, Olivia and Keegan. And uh, as they minister, as Brent and Tammy minister to missionaries, it's one of those things we often don't even think about. Who cares for the missionaries that, that are ministering, that have left their families and have gone overseas, who experience hardship and pain and different, all the different things of ministry, um, who, who do they have to come alongside of them and to help them? And that's Brent and Tammy's role, uh, and they do it so well. They've done it for Lisa and I. Uh, we're not missionaries, but they've been our friends, and they've ministered to us in some very real ways. God's given them a heart and a passion for that, and they do it really well. And so I'm excited. I won't speak any longer, Brent. It's your time. I went one minute over. Uh, would you welcome Brent uh, and Tammy Lowe with us today? Thanks, buddy. It's great to be back here at West Hill. Uh, we have a lot of great uh, connections here, a lot of great memories, uh, especially with those that were able to come to Portugal and minister there. And um, as Aaron's, you know, talking about all these things of us being old now, um, I thought I would uh, reminisce a little. If we go back to 2007, uh, this was a picture at our home church, our, our commissioning service before we went to Portugal, and we, you can see the kids change a little bit. Um, Tammy and I are still the same, um, but West Hill, you've been there with us through this whole journey, um, even before we went to the field. Uh, joining us quickly to to support us, to pray for us. And uh, we just thank you as a church family, how you've been by our side, how you've encouraged us, how uh, Lisa and Aaron came to uh, visit us many times. And I think um, one of the uh, most, uh, the biggest blessing, I think, was when your team came in 2016. Um, and I already forgot to advance my slide. There's the there's the now picture, almost now. Um, but uh, in those years, we've, we've had a great partnership with you as a church. And uh, we had this fine group of, of people who, who came to Portugal in uh, 2016. And it was a time uh, in Portugal where, uh, as most of you know, in, in Europe, uh, ministry is very slow. Hearts are very hardened to the gospel. And that, this was a time when we were just beginning uh, to make some inroads into the community. Uh, our girls played basketball and I was able to coach. Uh, so we were making uh, friendships there with the, the people on the team, their parents and the coaches. Uh, and so uh, what the team did when they were there in Portugal, they were able to minister to some of these people. And uh, David and um, Aaron and Seth, uh, you didn't know that they were great judo uh, aficionados, uh, but they got to uh, get beat up for a little bit that night. 
but more importantly, uh, just ministering to, to some of these kids during that week. They were there um, and, and joining with the team there. And the, the church actually uh, gave some money to that judo club to help buy some new mats. And uh, the, the response from the, the judo master there, he's like, you know, why are you doing this for us? You know, we should, uh, you know, you're our guest here. Um, but it was just another uh, testimony to them uh, of God's love uh, for them and uh, just an open door for ministry there. And then uh, they also ministered in uh, some English classes were, while they were there. And uh, some of these kids that uh, were there for that English class as well were kids that uh, we were able to minister throughout many years. Uh, and just another touch that they had to see uh, the love of God, to, to hear the truth of the gospel, and to see that lived out. And um, so these were just some of the, uh, the photos there of some uh, that were involved that week. So what... What is uh, ABWE member care, you might ask? Well, that's a good question. Um, just a, a, a brief definition here. ABWE member care comes alongside the missionaries uh, to, to promote their spiritual well-being, their physical well-being, uh, their, their, their mental well-being. Uh, as Aaron mentioned many times on the field, as families uh, leave loved ones here, Many times missionaries are out on their own, and who do they turn to uh, for that encouragement, that support that many of us get here in the local church? Uh, many times uh, they might be the, the only leaders in their church as they're trying to start a new church. And so the Lord allows us uh, to minister to them and, and their families. And some of the major uh, ways that we do that is a, a pre-field uh, ministry to those new missionaries that are coming in. Uh, different times throughout the year, we get new missionaries who are coming in just to start uh, the journey uh, to get to the mission field. And so we try to um, get to know them while they're there, pray with them, encourage them, and then we try to do that on a monthly basis where we're making contacts with them as they go through the ups and downs of of, of raising support, of, of the transitions in their lives uh, and families. A second aspect uh, that we're involved in are debriefings. Uh, ABWE has approximately uh, 1,000 missionaries that are serving uh, here in the States and overseas. And so our goal uh, at ABWE is for those missionaries to uh, have a time of debriefing at least once every five years. Uh, just to reflect on what God is doing in the ministry in their lives, uh, the ups and downs that they face, and, and just allow them to, to see uh, what God is doing. Sometimes uh, through the difficulties, they're not seeing that God is working, that God still is faithful. And so uh, we're able to do uh, those times with our missionaries, uh, to meet with them, uh, to encourage them. And then our uh, last aspect is uh, with the MK ministry, the missionary kids. Uh, as we had uh, missionary kids of our own, we know the many changes that they go through. Uh, not, not being able to, to see grandma and grandpa, you know, uh, leaving schools, leaving friends, uh, and, and going back and forth, learning a new language, being in a different culture. And so uh, we're trying to minister to the MKs and their families as well. 
we now have trainings for the MKs why the why the parents are getting their trainings in the summers uh, so we're involved in that training uh, we also are involved now in training uh, overseas and, and helping with different conferences that the uh, missionaries have uh, so that we can make sure that the families are being strong uh, the kids are being encouraged uh, the parents have tools that they can use to help their kids uh, to go through these different transitions and so those are the uh, main aspects of our ministry just some different pictures uh, of those ministries uh, this was a group of uh, new missionaries that came uh, and so we we get to know them when when they come many of these now are on the field serving the Lord uh, beginning uh, their missionary service and we're able now to to continue that relationship that we've developed with them uh, so that we're not strangers to them uh, and they can contact us and be uh, encouraged. Uh, this was uh, 70 kids that we had this summer during our missionary enrichment conference that ABWA has in the summer. And what a great privilege it was to, to be able to minister to these kids, uh, to see how God is using them and their families, uh, and to be an encouragement to them. Uh, this was a great time for these kids to get together, to to be with other kids who are uh, growing up in the same situation they, that they are. This is one place, you know, where they really uh, can feel at home and be themselves, and, you know, and don't have to be on display when they're visiting churches or don't have to be, uh, you know, the odd kid out that uh, doesn't know the language yet or is in a different culture. Uh, so that's a special time for them. And then uh, just recently, we were able to serve uh, some of our missionaries in Brazil uh, just earlier this month as they had a conference and uh, spent a great time with uh, this group of kids. Uh, as their parents were in a conference, we were able to minister to them, uh, provide them with a, a little VBS uh, for the week, but also uh, just encourage them and, and let them know that, you know, no matter what they're facing, God is with them. Uh, and he is going to use them just like he's using their parents. So those are just uh, a little summary of, of our ministries that the Lord is, uh, has led us to. And uh, we just ask you might continue to pray for us. Uh, there's always challenges. There's always uh, difficulties. Uh, we need wisdom uh, as we minister to these missionaries and uh, encourage them uh, to continue on serving where the Lord has called them to. In this role that we have, uh, we have the privilege of, of hearing from missionaries from all over the world. I think that's one of the most uh, exciting things about our job, just to see where God is working uh, in different places. And uh, recently, we met with Mary Davy, a 79-year-old missionary uh, who's been serving for 52 years uh, on the mission field, both in Colombia and Spain. And Tammy uh, was asking her the question at the end of our, our debriefing together. She said, Mary, what's the secret to this long, lifelong ministry uh, on the mission field, 52 years? And she said, being satisfied in Jesus. It wasn't, you know, I have, I've got great coworkers or, uh, you know, we have a wonderful church or I love the weather or the culture there. No, it was being satisfied in Jesus. And so as we, as we think of that this morning, I would like us to turn to Psalm chapter 18. 
And I'd like us to look at what David has to say in Psalm 18 about being satisfied in the Lord. Psalm 16. See, Aaron Tammy does it too. See there? I'm sure Psalm 18 is good if you want to read there. But we're going to look at Psalm 16. Are you satisfied in the Lord this morning? Are you satisfied in your life right now? I know there's been different times in our life when uh, we haven't been satisfied. Uh, we haven't been satisfied with our, our circumstances. Uh, you know, as we spoke this morning, uh, we had to change uh, ministries. The Lord led us away from Portugal, a place that we loved, uh, people that we loved. That's, that's where our kids grew up. And a place of great need, and, and we think to ourselves, Lord, why, why would you do that? Why would you take us from a place where there's so much need back here to the States? And so there were times when we weren't satisfied with what God was doing. And I would like us, uh, as I said, to look here at this Psalm, and, uh, Psalm 16 and see what David has to say. He says this, beginning in verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in excellent places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray before we continue on. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who gives us satisfaction. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one who gives us life. And I pray, Lord, that you would take your word this morning, that you would just work by the power of your Holy Spirit in each heart here. I pray, Lord, that uh, if there are those here that don't know you as Savior, that they might find you today, that you would reach into their heart and draw them to yourself. I pray for the believers here today, Lord, help us to be reminded that you are our satisfaction, that you are our life. Lord, may you take your word, may you use it for your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here this, this prayer of David. And his prayer is that God will preserve him, that he will keep him safe. Why would, why would David go to, to God? Why would David cry out to God? Well, he tells us it's because of who God is. The first thing uh, that we see here in verses 1 and 2 is that he is our refuge. He is our Lord. When we say God is our refuge, 
we, we are trusting him. We are trusting him for, for safety. We're, we're trusting him for security. We know that in the Bible, there were cities of refuge where people would flee for safety. Perhaps they accidentally harmed someone or killed someone. There were cities of refuge to flee to, to make sure that their life was not taken. And when we run to God, we are, we are saying, God, I know you are my refuge. I know you are my safety. I know that in you I am secure. But the question is, do we run to God or do we look everywhere else? Do we look to God and what he is in our life? You know, we won't be happy with our, our jobs, our, our, our spouse, our, our family, or or anything around us if that is the place that we are looking for our ultimate refuge. Uh, those things aren't bad in themselves, but those are not our refuge. As David said, Lord, you are my refuge. I take refuge in you. David also says here that, that Yahweh was his Lord or master. It means David knew that he was a servant of God. He was not anyone great, even though he was a king. He was God's servant. And he realized that he was here to serve God. He knew his purpose. Are you and I servants of God? Do we look at our life as being a servant? Or do we look at what, what can people do for me? How can I be served? Is your purpose found in your master, serving your master. Perhaps we're not finding satisfaction because we're not looking to how we can serve our Lord and master. And so David says, I take my refuge in you. You're my Lord. I'm your servant. And in verse two, he says this, I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. You know, Jesus is the source of all our, all our good that we have in life. We might think, you know, I've, I've earned this, I've worked hard, I've, I've got a good job. It's because of what I have done. But Jesus is the source of every good that we have in life. One person has said this, the satisfaction is not in the good things, but in the giver of all good things. The blessing is God himself. Is that how you look at life? Is that how you look to God? He is the blessing. It's not what he gives us. It's not even the good things that he's blessed us with. It, it is him himself, himself. Because if we don't look at life that way, when those blessings are gone, when we lose our job, when we have a sickness, when things change, we're not going to be satisfied because... We're looking to the blessing instead of God as our blessing. C.S. Lewis said this, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. We might look to our neighbor, someone else in the church, you know, look at all they have. You know, they have a good job. They have a, a beautiful home, a wonderful family. What, what do I have? Well, according to C.S. Lewis, you have the same as that person has everything. That person has no more than you because you both have God. 
Psalm 73, 25 says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. I think that's a, a tough verse to say, isn't it? I have nothing here on this earth, Lord, besides you. I have nothing in heaven besides you, God. But that's how we need to, to look at our lives. That's how we need to think about being satisfied because it can only come from God. It can't be in ourselves. He continues on in verse 3 as he says, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And I'm not, I'm not uh, Tammy, you're supposed to, you don't know my PowerPoint. You're supposed to say, keep going there. Okay. I treasure those who delight in God, David says. It's kind of interesting because he, he's saying, you know, my only delight is in God, but he also says, I treasure those who delight in God. The people who have God in their lives were the ones that, David was delighting in. And when we delight in God, we should also delight in his people, shouldn't we? We should delight in those that are striving to glorify God. We should delight in our brothers and sisters in Christ as we work together to serve him. If you and I have no desire to be with the people of God, uh, we need to consider, is Christ really our delight? We should desire to be together, to encourage one another, to point others to our delight, Jesus Christ. And then we see in verse 4, what happens when we delight in other things. David said, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. You see, every, every source of satisfaction outside of Jesus Christ is going to bring sorrow. It's going to bring disappointment. It's going to bring suffering. David saw those who were serving other gods, who were worshiping other gods, and he saw the results of their false desires. We even know in David's life, he had moments where his desire was not God. And it brought him suffering. It brought him sorrow. It brought others in his life suffering and sorrow. We so easily turn from God, don't we? We so easily choose to find satisfaction in other things. All that the world has to offer, pleasures in our lives. And these, these leave us empty. They leave us hurting. Why is that? It's because that is what, was not what we were created for. God created us. He knows us. He loves us. And so the only way we're going to find satisfaction is in him. David here said he's not going to even take the names of these other gods upon his lips. Now, this is sometimes hard for us to apply, apply to our lives, isn't it? We, we say, hey, I don't worship false gods. I don't have a little Buddha on my shelf. But what are our false gods? What are we taking as our source of satisfaction? Uh, it could be entertainment. It could be sports. It could be even things that aren't sin in themselves. It could be a relationship. What is our God? Where are we going to 
find satisfaction. David wanted to stay so far away from the false gods, the false areas of satisfaction. He didn't want to even mention their, their names upon his lips. But how often do we get close to temptation or put things in our life that we know are going to take away from our satisfaction in God? How often do we turn to things that are worthless and empty? Do we allow those sources of satisfaction outside of Jesus to rob us of our true satisfaction? Well, David didn't want that to happen in his life. And so he continues on. How did, how did he find his satisfaction in God? It says in verse 5, The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. He said, the Lord is my chosen portion. Now, I don't know if you have a favorite coffee cup. Maybe it's got your team on it, or maybe you're a, a water person and you have, you know, your favorite water bottle. Are there any of you out there that are carrying around these, like, five-gallon water bottles? What is that, anyways? Yep, that one's only two gallons, right? But maybe, you you know, you, you choose that in the morning. That's... This is my portion, my choice. And, and what does David say? The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. Satisfaction comes down to choices, doesn't it? What am I choosing to fill my heart with? Who am I choosing to fill my heart with? Is it the things the world has to offer? Is it our job? Is it sports? Is it entertainment? What, what are we filling our lives with? We have a choice every day. Who am I going to fill my life with? Who am I going to go to for satisfaction? Who am I going to, to find joy? We can choose things that, that look good in the world's eyes that we think will bring us happiness, or we can choose Christ and his will. Then David says in, in verse 5, You hold my lot. We know in scripture many times uh, decisions were made by choosing lots. Uh, one of those examples is in Joshua 14, 1 and 2. It says this, Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eliezer the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritance was assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes, as the Lord had commanded through Moses. You know, we might think this is weird. Why would, why would God, you know, use a lot to, to make decisions? Uh, is God just kind of like, here you go. I hope it works out well for you. But the interesting thing is that David here says to, to God, you hold my lot. Uh, it's in God's hands. God is making the choice, the decision. God holds our life in his hands. And he knows what we need. He knows what brings satisfaction. Do you have confidence this morning that God is in control? That your life is not just happening. It's not just circumstances. It's not just a chance. Listen to Isaiah 46. It says this. Verse 3 through 11. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel. 
You whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Since birth, he's talking to Israel, since birth I have upheld you, I've carried you. And he continues on, verse 4, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. Anybody out there with gray hairs today? I don't, this is blonde. <laughs> the Lord will sustain you. you. You are examples of that, all you gray-haired people. But from our birth until our old age, he says, I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god, and they bow down and worship it. They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place, and there it stands. From that spot it cannot move. Even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far-off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. You see, God is in control. Are you here this morning thinking, what is happening in my life, Lord? Are you like David crying out to him to be your refuge? He has your life in his hands. He knows your future. He knows everything about you. He is the one that can satisfy you. He's the one that can fulfill your life no matter what is happening. We also see... In verse 7, that he is our counselor. It says in verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Where do you go for counsel? Maybe it's a, a spouse or a friend or a pastor or a licensed counselor. You know, it's, it's not wrong to get counseling. Uh, we, are, we are broken people. We're sinful people. None of us are perfect, and we need the encouragement. We need the godly counsel of others. But God is our ever-present counselor. He is with us. He lives in, in us. Jesus told us when he was leaving, he was going to send his counselor, the Holy Spirit. Do you go to him for counsel? Is that where you cry out to? Or do you go to others and not to him. Do you go to everyone else before seeking him? God is our ever-present counselor. He created us. He knows everything about us. He knows exactly what we need. And that's why we can find our satisfaction in him. He has the answers. Pastor Aaron, as smart as he is, he doesn't have all the answers. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but, but God does. He is our counselor. And David went to his counselor for his satisfaction. We see also in verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. 
David said, he's at my right hand. He's beside me. We had a, uh, a fun adventure in Portugal, and Jen will remember this well. Jen, does that, does that picture make you tremble a little? Yes. Hopefully she'll still like me at the end. This is a walled city in Portugal that we visited there. And you can see there where they're standing. It's pretty high up. It's about the level of the, the roofs of these houses. And you have maybe five foot um, before it falls off the side there. Um, and Portugal is really not concerned about lawsuits, so there's no railings. And so one of our uh, excursions while the team was there was to climb this uh, walled city. You get to walk along the wall, and you can see up in the top left-hand corner, it starts to go like this, and you still have uh, that small room to climb up. And along the way, Jen was not too happy about this, uh, this expedition we were on. And we didn't think she was going to make it. The bad part was she would have to walk how far she went. So I remember coming beside Jen and encouraging her along. And our goal was to get to the end. And we made it, didn't we? We did. She might not have liked this, but we made it. But even more than someone coming alongside of us, helping us uh, on our journey on a, a wall that might be high and scary. God is at our right side. Uh, don't we often think that, God, I'm alone. Where are you? I'm going through the struggle. I'm going through a difficult time. Uh, and where is he? He's right beside us. He's at our right hand. Perhaps those of you that uh, have small children might also have this uh, example you know, you're in the house and you might have that child that's right there all the time. Anybody ever have one of those? You go upstairs and there they are. You go to the bathroom and there they are, right? Um, God is with us. He's right there with us. Uh, and just like that child that wants to be close to mom or dad, wants that security, uh, we have that in our Heavenly Father. He's at our right side. And so when you're, when you're facing unknowns, when you're going through difficulties and you ask God, where you, are you? No, he is right there with you. And he's going to help you through the journey, whatever that might be, wherever you are right now. Trust him, look to him, he's at your side. Well, David continues on. And in the final verses, verses 10 and 11, he says this, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You see, satisfaction in Christ is like no other satisfaction. It's forever. You know, I love... Uh, watching sports and, you know, Ohio State won again yesterday, all right? But guess what? It's going to be over. They're going to lose sometime, and then we'll be mad. It doesn't last very long, right? Uh, even when our teams finally win a championship, we get the T-shirt. 
the group when uh, West Hill came, that was when the Cavs won. They brought us all these championship t-shirts. Mine's all faded now, Aaron. It's ugly. I need a new one. Uh, those things are temporary, aren't they? Even, even good things, time with family, uh, vacations, they're all temporary. Uh, that's why when they're gone or, or they're missing, we get discouraged. We don't have that satisfaction. But Jesus Christ, his joy, his satisfaction is forever. He not only gives us eternal life when we put our faith and trust in him, but he gives us eternal joy. You see, death is, is not the end for the believer. Death is just the beginning. And it's a joy that's not dependent upon what is happening in our lives. I spoke of uh, missionary Mary Davy, 79-year-old, uh, at the beginning of the message. What was her secret? being satisfied in the Lord. And that's not different from any one of us, whether we're young or old, uh, whether life is good in our eyes right now or not, whether we think we know what is ahead of us tomorrow, our satisfaction needs to come in Jesus Christ. That's when we're going to have joy. That's when we're going to have peace. If we're looking elsewhere, uh, we're going to be discouraged. So what is that satisfaction? Why is, why is it we can have satisfaction? He's our refuge, the one we can to run to, the one that will keep us safe. He's our source of everything good, everything good that we have in life. It's because of Jesus Christ. He is our source of satisfaction when we make him our chosen portion. He is the one who holds our lot. Our life is not an accident. It's not something that happens by chance. He has us in our hand. He's also our counselor, the one that we can go to at any time. He's the giver of eternal life and eternal joy. Jesus is our satisfaction. Is he your satisfaction this morning? Maybe you're sitting here and, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior. You've never put your faith in him. And maybe you're wondering, why is my life like it is. Maybe you've become successful. Maybe you've got a good marriage. Maybe you've had great things happen in your life and you're, you're feeling empty. That's because you don't have the only one that can give you satisfaction. You need to put your faith and trust in him alone and you'll find satisfaction in him. Christians here this morning, believers, followers of him, make sure you're choosing him as your portion each day. When you're having that coffee or that five-gallon water jug filled up, make sure that you're making Jesus Christ your portion. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are the giver of life. You're the giver of joy and hope. We thank you, Lord, that you give us satisfaction because you have created us, you know us, you love us. I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here that does not know you, that, that today they would, they would talk to someone about making you their satisfaction, making you their life. I pray that we as believers, Lord, would not get our eyes on the things of this world, but we would find our joy and peace in you.
We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us life. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate that challenge. It's uh, exciting to have you and Tammy and, and Olivia and Keegan here and uh, great encouragement from the word as well. A um, couple announcements before I let you go. First, if you were here uh, at the underground church on Friday, would you please stand up for a second, please? If you were here Friday, would you stand? You're not in trouble. And this isn't to shame all of you who weren't here. All right. Uh, we had, we had 30, there were 30 of us all together. And uh, these people here, just look around. These people were given a tool um, to, to use. And so I want to encourage you uh, who weren't able to be there Friday, ask them about that tool. Now, you're all mad at me because that came Friday because you're like, what? What's he doing? We want to be able to continually encourage one another with sharing our faith. And they learned a tool to be able to do that. Please talk with one of them. All right. And uh, we're excited about how God is working and is going to continue to work. And uh, we're just praying that on Sunday, November 6th, uh, we'll be able to hear testimony of the fruit of some of that. And so um, don't be afraid to ask these people about, hey, what's that tool that you learned? You can be seated. Thank you. Um, we have passed out the last few Sundays, and hopefully you also received an email concerning our faith promise giving. And uh, we, we, don't, um, we don't set a budget, our overall operating budget, based on, hey, what are people going to pledge? Uh, we base that upon mainly what we feel like God wants us to do for that new and upcoming year. Um, when it comes to missions, it's a little bit different um, because our faith promise missions is we, we ask the family, our family here, and we say, okay, would you prayerfully consider what God would have you to give above and beyond your normal tithe, your normal giving of, of supporting missions, missions here in the greater Akron area and also around the globe. And so we've tried to communicate that through uh, the different things of, of inserts in your emails and also handing these out. If you didn't get one of these, uh, they are at the table. There's a table in the back for that door and then at the Welcome Center over at the Double Doors. But um, we've asked for you, if you would, to prayerfully consider uh, your uh, role in giving towards Faith Promise. And so if you have the bottom portion... Uh, you actually see my portion is ripped off because I turned it in today, all right, and put it in the box. If you didn't do that yet, I want to encourage you, would you please prayerfully consider that? If you don't have the, the, the insert or you're not sure yet, uh, we sent out a link and we're going to send it out again this week um, just that you can do online. Uh, trust me, we're not, Pastor David could probably figure it out. I know Aaron could, but I, I'm not sophisticated enough to see IP addresses and track you down and say, who sent this? We don't know that. It's not putting your name on this. We're not going to chase you down. We're not going to hold you ac accountable before God. We just trust that God will provide. And, uh, and, and it's really cool how God has over the years. 
I'm just asking you, I'm pleading for you. Would you please pray and ask the Lord what he would have for you and your role for faith promise for our missions giving for this year? Um, Pastor David said, mentioned this early on. The last announcement is this trunk and treat. If you want to have a good time, you come hang out with us at trunk and treat. We have a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, you say, well, I don't want to get dressed up or decorate my trunk. Just come. We, we, just, we could use more people and, and just being there and enjoying the fellowship. And then just being that warm smile, that friendly face as families come in, as children come in. And one of the beauties of our trunk and tree is every person that comes through, uh, they, they'll receive a track. And that track explains the hope of Jesus. And so we pray about that. Uh, usually when we get started, we usually pray and just ask the Lord to, to bless that and bless the conversations that may come from it and just the relationships. And so if you're able to uh, come and join us for that, sign up, please, out in the foyer. If you're not able to, that's okay. Would you please pray for God's working? Uh, that not only would it be a fun time and that God will give us good weather, but that also uh, his, his, the apparentness, I think that's the word, the realness of God being in us would be apparent to those who, who step on this property and so that they would see the love of Jesus. All right. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? Lord, we again thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the way that you are faithful. Thank you for Brent and Tammy and for your faithfulness in their life and leading them and guiding them. Thank you for their faithfulness to you. And even being here today, Lord, to be reminded of the years of being able to serve together. It's, it's just so encouraging, Lord. And uh, there are difficult and there's hard days, and yet you are still there. You're faithful. You can be our portion. You can be our lot. We can cling to you. If we choose that, you're always there and you never fail us. Thank you, Lord. I pray that we would run to you. We would hold you tight. We would cherish you so that our portion would be full. So that our satisfaction would be real. I pray your hand of blessing upon each one that's here. Those who are watching online, may you bless each one. Guide us and direct us. Help us to be obedient and to be faithful. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen. God's blessing.